and uh, so it's great. So we are in the book of Judges in this series, Don't Judge Me, and we're looking uh, specifically this morning at the life of Samson, and, and it's the end of his life, like the, 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 the back half of his life. So last week, um, if you remember, we had a guest, uh, guest come with us, uh, Super Pastor Randy <laughs> came and preached, and he talked, and he shared about like kind of the, the beginning of Samson's life and some of the things he did. This morning, we look at the end now of Samson's life. And in Samson is not probably like most of the judges that we're reading about. He is not a guy that you want your kids to grow up to be. <laughs> like you don't want them to have the lifestyle that he had. Even though he was a judge, he was clearly a flawed, very flawed individual and, and not one that we would aspire to, but still God uses him and people like him. And I want to start this morning by asking you um, to, you're actually going to have a little interaction here. You're going to discuss with your neighbor. So I want you to chat with the person next to you. Maybe you came with them. Maybe they're not. not. Maybe you need to go look in the row behind you. That's fine. Or maybe get in a group or whatever. I want you to discuss this. Okay, ready? What is the worst trait in a person? Go. Worst personality trait. Not in the person you're talking to. We're not doing that. That's not this moment. Just in general for people, like the worst, man, this is the worst character trait I can think of for a person. Not you, honey, not you, but a person. All right, good. I hear a lot of good answers. Okay, now I want you to switch and I want the pendulum to swing. I want you to discuss now the best character trait in someone. So chat with the same person, maybe switch roles. The best character trait in someone where you're like, this, man, this is, I love this about people. Or when I meet someone who's like this, this that's the thing that like, I, I, like it makes me want to be around them, okay? All right, good. Okay, I trust. So I, I don't know all the answers. Uh, I trust you had a good, you have... Like, if we, were to, if we were to shout out right now, we're not going to, but if we were to make a list and everyone just shout out your answers, we would have a pretty good, like, two lists of really bad qualities, like, really bad, like, features and personality traits in someone. So someone who is selfish and someone um, who, uh, who, uh, who uh, d- isn't kind or someone who belittles other people or, like, the things that you're thinking, man, this is terrible, Right. And then on our other side, like we have our list where you could think of someone who's kind, someone who's giving, someone who's selfless and thinking about others, someone who is willing to help at a, in a moment's notice. Things that you would say, man, these are the kind of like, these are the people I want to be around. This is the, pe- this is the kind of person I want to be. Let me uh, submit to you uh, my answer that I think is, uh, is also the, like what the Bible would say. Um, and, and that is this, that the worst possible character trait someone could have is pride. More than anything else, where you would say like this person, like they could be a, a very nice person and kind and, and, uh, and helpful, but man, when, when you meet someone and you say, man, they're just so prideful, it taints everything else. It almost doesn't matter the other good quality traits. Pride is the thing. In fact, it's probably like theologians will say it was the original sin. Like it was the, like every other sin finds its home in pride. This idea that, that I know best and no one, including God, can tell me what to do. 
this idea that, that I really am wonderful, great, better than everyone else. When you meet someone like that, you know right away and, and, and you can feel and you, I don't want to be around them. But you're married to them. I don't want to be around them. <laughs> Pride is the thing that we would say, wow. And, and, and I would say this too. The, the worst possible, or the worst possible trait is pride. The best possible quality in a person is actually the opposite of that. Like, these are two related ones. That pride, pride is the worst, then, then perhaps the best trait in someone is humility. Where someone who, who might be, they might be the best person in the room, they might be the best musician or athlete, or they might be the smartest or most successful, but when they have humility, it's like, wow. They don't, but they don't walk around like they know it. Like they're rubbing it in people's faces. They, like, wow, I just, this person is just so kind and loving, but man, they're just so humble. Like you hear that and you go, I wanna be around that person. I wanna be around this person because they aren't trying to show off or like let everyone know how great they are. They say, no, no, it's really not me. Hey, thanks for your you know, kindness. There's a lot of people in my life that have really helped me. And you know, I thanks to God. And you're going like, man, even your answer is just stinking awesome. Like you're just a great, you're just a great, humble person. This morning, we're going to look at the life of Samson, and we're going to see both of these on display. And we're going to see much more of the negative quality. We'll see the fact that, that pride is on full display, this idea that, that we or that Samson really, really is the best person he knows and knows better and, and, and more than anyone else. And then, and then at the end, we'll see kind of the flip side, the pendulum swing, so to speak, and, and, and we'll get a, a glimpse of, of the, the opposite character trait of humility. This passage that we're gonna look at in, in Judges 16, it really is a cautionary tale about the, the, the power of temptation and how destructive the consequences are. How your choices really do affect your life. And what we're gonna see through Samson's journey is this, this kind of profound truth between weakness and strength and, and, how, and how, like, how in God's kind of like category of weakness and strength, it's actually upside down than the world. Like it, it's, it's, in, it's in reverse of what the world says, wants, thinks. So here's the, the point of this morning. Here's what we're gonna look at. And this is gonna, you're gonna see this kind of like work its way throughout the whole passage. And here it is, ready? If you're taking notes, it's kind of the, the truth, the overarching point of this passage, of this chapter. You can humble yourself or you can let God do it for you. <laughs> you, 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 me, I can humble myself or I can let God do it. You can humble yourself or, or you can allow God to say, I'll be the one to humble you. We get to choose. So we're gonna look at the life of Samson and see, man, he really does live, live this out, this idea of being full of himself. Samson believes that he can live a life without consequences. That he can live any life he wants and the life he chooses. And he's a judge. He's like a ruler, leader of, of Israel. And he's got incredible strength more than any other person on earth. And, and, and he's the guy and he's been successful and, like, and effective in everything he does. And, and he can do whatever he wants. He can, he, can, he can go wherever he wants. He can be with whoever he wants. He can do whatever he wants and there's no consequences. Who's going to do anything to stop him? Who's going to stand up to Samson? 
You and I, ready for this? We tend to think we can live life without consequences. We tend to think I can do whatever I want as long as I'm not hurting anyone and, and think that there won't be consequences. I, I imagine this. I imagine, because this is true of every person who's ever lived, that, that you and I, we actually cherish and, and pursue and, and, uh, and, and enjoy and love and want justice. We like justice for other people. <laughs> we want, we want there to be, when someone does something really, really wrong or bad or harmful or hurtful for, or abusive to someone else, we want there to be consequences for them. If we do something that we know is wrong or make a mistake or have a lifestyle that we're doing, we, uh, we want grace. Judgment and consequences for them, justice and, but grace and forgiveness for us. And very rarely does that ever switch where we feel like, I should be judged and they should be forgiven. We think that we really can live any way we want, any lifestyle we choose. This is the way of the world. Any life you want to live with zero consequences. But that's not how life works at all. But man, we want to try it. Samson, so now he decides to go back into enemy territory. He's going to travel back now into the Philistines, into one of their cities, and, and, and have an interaction. And he does so because... He can do whatever he wants. No consequences. So here's what we see. Verse one of chapter 16. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute, okay? So he's living any way he wants, right? However he wants. Hey, you be you, Samson. You do you. No judgment. Don't judge me. I want to live my lifestyle. Okay, Samson, go for it. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told Samson is here. Now, Samson had been, he's been now leading for about 20 years or so. And, um, and uh, so everyone knows Samson. They know who he is. Don't mess with them. Don't mess with Israel. He's their guy. He's their champion. If, if Samson shows up, just, just, just know it's not going to go well. Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They waited for him. All right. We can't just go in and take him. He, we don't know, we want to we, we get him when he's asleep. So look at, the, look at what it says. They made no move during the night saying at dawn we'll kill him. We want to make sure he's asleep and we don't know how long he's going to be up. We have no idea what, what is going on. Or like, we don't, we don't want to come in when he's awake. So when he's asleep, by dawn, we, he's got to be asleep. He's got to be out by dawn. At dawn, we kill him, all of us. Are we ready? All right, just, we're just going to wait. We're just going to wait him out. Verse three, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. He didn't wait. Somehow he knew that they were around. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He ripped out the city gate. He lifted, it says, he lifted them to his shoulders and then carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So he, he recognizes what they're doing and, he, and, and they're laying in wait to, to essentially to try to kill him and he rips out their gate. Now the city gate was like the, the uh, it was the, the protection for the city, right? It was, it was the thing that was like, here's how you get in and out. Here's our main protection for our city to, to, uh, to guard against anyone who would try to take over this place. So the gate, you know, you open it, let people in and out, only the people you want. He says, oh no, no, I'll take care of this. And he rips this gate. It's not like, when we say gate, it's not, like, it's not like a gate in your fence at home. You're like, oh, you know, it swings open like it would. Oh, I, I built a gate once. No, you didn't. Not like this. 
This is the city gate. This was the gate. And he rips this whole thing up and carries it off because he doesn't want them to use it again. He's like, oh, you're gonna come after me? Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make your entire city open to anyone who wants to come and defeat you. I, I, like, it's, it's not enough for you to not just not, just, like, not be able to, to take me. I'm going to make you vulnerable now to all attackers. That's what, that, if you come after me, I'll come after you. So he takes it and he get, and, and they're probably standing there going, what is going on? How, how can he do this? And how do we, how do we fight this? And how do we build a new gate? Go, dude, go, go get the stuff. We got to build a gate now. Like he took our gate. Samson can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, be with whoever he wants, no consequences. Gaza was, uh, was one of the, mo- the southernmost cities uh, of the Philistines, and, and this is about 45 miles from his home. So he has no right, he has no business going here. It's not like, it's not like he's on a journey and then just stops by at, at Gaza. He's going out of his way to make sure he goes there because he knows this is enemy territory and I'm gonna go have fun. I'm gonna go party and live it up in their own city, in their country. The real danger here, though, is not the Philistines. Samson knows there's no, there's no human, there's no group of people that can subdue him. The real danger is not the Philistines. This is why he's going there and, and, and essentially being with their women and, and like, like, I can do whatever I want. The real danger is not the Philistines. You know the real danger here? The real danger, and this is the danger for you and I. The real danger is success. The real danger here is that he actually can do whatever he wants. And he thinks it's because he's so great. The real danger for him is not his enemies. The real danger for you is not your enemies. I, I, do you even have enemies? Real, I mean, real legitimate enemies trying to kill you? Probably not. I mean, maybe, maybe you live with a few, but probably not. The real danger for you is to think that your success is due solely on how great you are. That you, you really are wonderful and, 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 and can do everything on your own without any help or advice, without any blessing from the Lord, that you really are, you really are the best person you know. Ooh. And you know what makes that worse? Is success. Is consistently, constantly being successful at everything you do. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I think I really am great. That is how pride begins to creep in and take over. Every time he is successful, he thinks it's because of himself. He believes his own hype and that he lives, he lives as though nothing can bring him down. We see this happen quite a bit. And, and I'll just be, so I'm gonna just kind of bear a, a little bit of like a behind the curtain for like the ministry world. We see, I see this a lot in ministry. That guys, pastors who get really successful, maybe, maybe, maybe grow really large churches and become really effective and, and have large ministries and a lot of people, and, and especially those who, who then kind of become prominent on a national level and, and, and become visible and, and are well-known nationally. And people got guys that you would know, names that you would know. And then what happens, and we see this almost every year, there's a few of those guys who fall, who go sideways, I mean, who, and in a big way. And, and you start to think, like, how could that happen? How could this guy leading this church of thousands 
have an affair or, or embezzle money or become addicted to some kind of substance. Like, how, does, how do you even get to that point that you're on stage preaching about this and then you go home and you do all the stuff you just condemned? How can that happen? You know how that can happen? It's right here. They are successful at everything they do and they become literally, in their mind, I'm too big to fail. Our ministry is too big to fail. I'm too important to God's church. I can almost do whatever I want and live my lifestyle. And, and other people in the church will cover up for them. They'll, they'll pick up the pieces. They'll make sure things stay hidden. And then when it all comes out, everything hits the fan and, and, and the whole place blows up. And you and I, you and I, we get the fallout. I've met with guys and had uh, meals and I had a dinner with a guy once and it was not a Christian, left the faith a long time ago and this kind of anti-religion. Anti and he brought up all of these you know, well-known pastors that have fallen. And he put that at my feet like, man, this is what you guys do. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do, first of all, I didn't do any of that, okay? But, but man, you're right. Like, we're not, we're not putting, we're not showing the world what it means to truly follow and love Jesus. And these high profile, they are Samson. They are experiencing pride to the level of, of how wonderful they are. And then the fall, man, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And the fall is great. Here's the second thing we see. So Samson believes that he can live a life without consequences. And we, we think we can live life without consequences. The second thing, we see that Samson's lifestyle eventually does lead to his downfall. And for you and I, here's what that means. Ready? The sins you commit, they will catch up to you. The sins you commit, they will catch up to you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, maybe not next year. Maybe it's, few, maybe it's years away. And maybe, maybe you can trick everyone around you. But listen, the Lord who sits on his throne is not looking down from heaven saying, I am so pleased with you on how you, on how you hide your sin from everyone. Wow, you're really good at it. In fact, I can't even see it. That will never be spoken about you or to you. The sins you commit will catch up to you. And Samson's lifestyle, his lifestyle of zero consequences, eventually catches up to him. Now we see the kind of the the more famous story, the more fa famous kind of experience that, that Samson is known for and his interaction with a particular lady. Samson loved the ladies. It was his downfall. And he loved particularly one lady. Here's what it says, verse four. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. First of all, Delilah is a very nice name. I, I've met a, a few Delilahs and they were very kind and precious and sweet. This Delilah is ruthless. <laughs> this is not, she is not that. Uh, uh, her name actually comes from the Hebrew word, uh, Hebrew root doll, which means, you know what that means? Weakness. The D Delilah literally means weakness. Like her name comes from the word weakness and she is clearly, will be, she clearly becomes Samson's weakness. Verse five, it says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into, into showing you the secret of his great strength and how, you can, how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. 
See if you can somehow, like, we, we, you guys are a thing now, and that's really cute. Like, like you're a power couple. Good on you. Okay, can, can you find out how, like, how he's so strong? Can you figure out, lure him in, into figuring out how he's, how he's so strong and how we can tie him, how we can subdue him, how we can tie him up? And then it says this, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, in this area, this city was, was there's, uh, commentators will say that there's, this is one of probably five cities that were kind of like one, uh, like one area, like one kind of region that all kind of shared the same area. So, so the leader showing up is probably the leader of each city. So there's probably potentially five, maybe even more, but at least five leaders showing up saying, all right, we want to know how to defeat Samson because he's here in Gaza, but it's just gonna, it won't be long before he goes to all the other cities. Right? So it'd be, like, it'd be like this. The equivalent is, all right, the mayor of Ben and, and Redmond and, uh, and, uh, and um, uh, Lapine and uh, Sun River. Who leads Sun River? That person. They all get together and they show up to this one lady's house and say, all right, we need your help. We need to know how to defeat this guy who loves you. All right, that's the equivalent. So each one of them show and they're like, we'll each give you 1,100 shekels. Uh, so it's probably, so then around 5,500 shekels about, which is, ready, 700 pounds of silver. This isn't like, hey, here's a, here's a bag of coins. Well, can, you, can you do this? 700 pounds of silver. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're showing up going like, all right, we'll give you this. All you got to do is find out a secret. All you got to do is just let us know. We'll do the rest. You just find out how we can defeat them. All right, and so she says, okay, sure, right? Money talks, all right. I'll take, the, I'll take your silver and, and I'll be known as the one who helps subdue Samson. So there's four rounds of this next battle. Samson and Delilah go four rounds. Round one, here it is. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and, and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> okay, first of all, she is very, she is very forthright. She's, right? She says what she wants and what she thinks. Like, like when you think of if you're married or dating or, you know, think of when you like were first in your relationship with, with your, with, you know, the, your, your loved one and, 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 you're, and like how you ask questions or how you said things. Like 40 years of marriage, you're probably like this. Like, honey, right? Uh, you snore really loud, you need to stop. <laughs> you're like, well, that's kind of rude. Well, you're rude because I can't sleep. Okay, that's how, that's, by the way, that's marriage. That's good. But when you're, when you're dating, when you're, it's like, oh, I, I, you know what I love about you? It's just how deep you sleep. It's just so nice. Oh, thank you, honey. Yeah, I wish I could sleep that deep, but, you know, things keep me awake. Oh, like what? Oh, I don't know. And you're like, you're doing this kind of like, we don't want to be offensive. We want to be nice. We don't want to be rude. And, but I also want to like kind of bring things up. She's not that. She's like, Samson, honey, <laughs> can you tell me the secret to your strength so I can subdue you and tie you up? Like, what? Wow. Okay, so she jumps right in. She's like, I'm trying to make money here, Samson. I'm getting paid. Tell me, tell me your secret. Tell me the secret of your strength, how you can be tied up. And now Samson, he, he, right away, he probably knows what's going on. Of course he does, because he answered her. If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings, that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Some, some magic trick, right? All right, strings for bows that have never been dried and they're still wet. If someone uses that, I can't, I, I can't break, 
little bowstrings that are wet. All right, I'll become as weak as any other man. So then the ruler, so she goes and does, she does her duty. She's, she's already taken like the, the contract. All right, I'm gonna go tell the leaders. Here's what he told me. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him with them. So here's the deal, ready? Here's your bowstrings, okay. Samson, let's play a little game. I got these bowstrings. I just happen, it just happens to be the very things you told me about. How about, let's just, it's just a silly game. How about, how about this? How about I tie you up and then we'll just see what happens, okay? And he's like, okay, let's do it. I, I imagine that's how he sounds. Okay, sure, honey, whatever you want, right? So she ties him up, right? Verse nine, with men hidden in the room, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So here they come, right? Samson, here they come. And then it says this. This is so, this, this is funny, right? That here, they're, they're, here they are, ready? The Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Round one, Samson wins easily. So he's sitting there with bowstrings and he's just like, oh no, the bad guys are here. Snap, he's like, just kidding. Round one, all right. And they probably see that and then they're going, book it. Like we gotta run. All right, Samson, the, bow, the little bowstrings didn't work. Our bowstring plan failed. We gotta regroup and replan. All right, so round two, here we go. Round two, Delilah now is clearly upset. Then Delilah said to Samson, you, you have made me a fool. You made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. <laughs> I was like, you liar. You, you made me look really silly in front of my new friends. How could you tell me right now how you can be tied up? So he probably convincingly says, all right, fine. I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. He says this. He replied, if, you, uh, if anyone ties me securely with, with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. All right. Round two. Sorry, honey. I didn't mean to lie to you. I lied about the bowstrings. Here's the real deal. If you tie me with ropes that haven't been used, then you got me. So guess what happens? They bring ropes. She ties them up with these ropes, these new ropes that have never been used. And she says, Samson, the Philistines are here to get you. And then he just snap, oh, jokes again, sorry. Round two, Samson wins. All right, you see the pattern here, right? Now, round three. By round three, we, you, you start to question, I mean, we already questioned Samson, but now we really do. What are you doing with Delilah? Listen, Listen, for, uh, for you dating couples, don't raise your hand. Don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, if, if the one you're dating comes to you and says, hey, real quick, before we continue, I really need to know your deepest, darkest struggles so that I can use them against you for your downfall. <laughs> can you please tell me, right? <laughs> if, if they say that, if they say that, that's not the one for you, right? That's, that's not the one. Whoever the one is, you didn't find her yet. Like if that's what, if this is what, she, how she, but Samson is entertaining this and is going round after round like, oh, she's just so cute when she, you're so cute when you get angry and upset that I fooled you. And he's just like, I can't believe you lied to me. And he's going, oh, all right, fine. I'll tell you the truth. Round three, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. 
All right, he replied. All right, all right, fine, you silly little ladybug. That's the Hebrew, by the way. It's in there somewhere. If you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll be as weak as any other man. So it's like, it's like a hair net piece kind of thing that, you know, like he's set up. So, so guess what? Guess what she does? He's got, he's, apparently he's got dreadlocks because he's got seven locks or braids of hair. And so if you, if, you bra- if you tie these up and put a little pin in it, then I can't do it. So she does that. She, let's play another little game. And she's probably just playing, you know, with his hair, getting, you know, fingers stuck in his, you know, dreads. and like, oh, it's super gross. But, but like, all right, wonderful. Well, and ties him up and puts a pin in. And she's like, Samson, the Philistines. And he's like, oh, shoot, they're here again. I didn't see this coming. And he pulls the pin out and is like, ta-da, <laughs> like, I'm still strong. And they run away, right? Round three is like, okay, this is a joke, right? But, but something's happening here. In round three, in round three, Samson does get close to revealing his secret. He does get really close. He mentions his hair. With each one, it's like, okay, it's getting a little, little closer, a little too close for comfort. Because you remember the secret of his strength? You know the secret of his strength? Most people say his hair. It's not his hair. The secret of his strength is the Lord. And it's the vow he made to the Lord. And one of the signs of keeping the vow is that he wouldn't cut his hair. It's not like, it's not like he had magical hair that like full of testosterone that if you touch, it was like supercharged. you like, whoa, like, this hair is crazy. It's not that. It's that God is with him and strengthening him supernaturally so long as he continues to hold up to his end of the bargain, which is to keep his vow. And particularly, don't cut your hair. That's the vow. So he mentions the hair. You know what this means? You know what this tells me? He's seeing how close he can get to the line without crossing it. Now, tell me if you and I don't try to do the same thing. If, if, we, if we in our lives say, all right, I'm not gonna cross the line, but like, how close can I get? Okay, I crossed the line, but oh, shoot, all right. How, how far can I get before I get caught? How, how, how much can I do before? before there's any consequences. That's, that's what I'm worried about is the consequences. I don't want to get caught. So, so what can I do so long as I don't get caught? When I was in youth ministry, this was the question. It wasn't like, it, like with regard to relationships, it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, how, do I treat, how do I treat my girlfriend or my boyfriend with respect? This was the question. All right, how far is too far? What can I do and not get in trouble? What what does God allow me to do? That was the question. And that's this. How close can I get to the line without necessarily crossing it? That's what, it seems to be what Samson is doing. He's playing with fire here. Now, round round three is done. Round four, it changes. Here we go. Now she turns it up. She's realizing, I'm not, it's not working. I I need to up my level of charm. Here it goes. Then she said to him, Samson, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. How can you say, how, maybe you've heard this before. How can you say you love me? If you love me, you will do this. If you love me, I need you to perform for me. I need you to do this thing or say this thing or stop doing this thing. If you love me, you will prove it by doing what I want you to do. That's her tactic now. And it's, it's a good one. It's a really good one. Because 
for whatever reason, he probably really does love Delilah and is saying, all right, I do love you. And then it says this, her next strategy. Not only was it like guilt and, and twisting his arm. Verse 16, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. That is the, sound, like that is the sign of a very healthy relationship. <laughs> it's a very healthy marriage, right? If you are married or, 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 or maybe you're getting married, listen, you, should, you can learn a tip from Delilah of how to get your way. So she does this. She's just, I, I'm, like day after day, if you love me, you would do this to the point where he finally says, all right, fine. And he gives in. So it says this, he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. And at this point, he's probably, at this point, she really does believe him. And she knows, okay, now he really did tell me the truth. Maybe it's like, maybe maybe his his demeanor changed. Maybe it's because it makes sense because now he's talking about his God. and, And so he's invoking God. So now this is serious. For whatever the reason, now she goes and tells the Philistines and they say, and she says, bring the money. I got him. I got him. So they come and they bring the silver. And then it says this. After putting him to sleep on her lap, of course, right? Of course. Like, hey, honey, I got another game. Let's just, let's just spend the night in. Let's order out. Let's, let's, just, let's just get Uber Eats to deliver our food. And we're just going to stay home and and we'll just have a nice meal and relax by the fire. And like, you know, she's probably, again, stroking his head and he just falls asleep on her lap. And she's, man, she's good, right? She knows what she's doing. So he, he, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. So they, she calls someone in, all right, go ahead, he's asleep. And they shave the, the hair off, these braids. And, and it says, and his strength left him. That was it. Now, if that were, like, if we stopped there, we would think that, oh, it really was the hair. But hold on, the story continues. It's not about the hair. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They're here to, over t- to take you, right? It's like, wake up. Here they are. And this time, it says this, he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll just go out as before and shake myself free. Listen, nothing, like, this is the, like, uh, 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 this just popped in my head. This is free of charge. Um, the, the, the Lego movie where the guy's like, oh, nothing bad will ever happen to me. <laughs> it's like, like that's Samson. He's going, oh, I'll just do like before. Like nothing's gonna, nothing can happen to me. Nothing can happen to me. And then it says this, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's not about the hair. It's not, it's not magic hair. It was God's blessing over him and God's presence. And God now says, all right, clearly, you, you gave the secret away. You, you're no long, you, you, you've no longer kept your vow. I remove my blessing. And as the Lord, I'm, I have to leave you. He didn't know that as he went out, that the Lord had left him. Now, a couple things. First, the Lord was clearly with him, and that was the source of his strength. Second thing, uh, it left him, right? The Lord can leave him. You and I have the spirit. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you place your faith in Jesus and you said, I'm in, I've, I've given my life to the Lord and he is, you've accepted him as Lord and Savior and you're in, you've repented and you're in. You're like, I'm in, all right, 
by faith I am saved, not by works. It's not because I've earned it. It's purely by your grace and by Jesus on the cross. And I choose to accept and believe and humble myself. I'm in. Great. One of the things you get, one of the things that the Lord gives you is what he calls a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit that actually comes and dwells in us somehow, somewhere, like alongside our spirit, that you and I, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And, and there's no risk, there's no risk of this happening. It doesn't work like this. This was, this was before Jesus, this is certainly before the cross, this is before Pentecost where the Spirit is now given out to anyone who believes. And, and so for him, it really is a matter of, I have to like continue to live up to my end of the bargain or the Lord can remove his spirit like he has in many people in the Old Testament and, and even kings. And, 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 and so like God leaves, God leaves Samson, but listen, this does not mean he will leave you. It's different now. Does that make sense? It's different. So God leaves Samson, but he promises he won't leave us. So God, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Verse 21, then the Philistines seized him. And he was probably in this moment terrified because he realized I can't I can't get out they they've grabbed me and tied me up and 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 I can't my strength is gone and then it says this and they gouged out his eyes so he couldn't see right they literally removed his eyes and they took him down to Gaza binding him with bronze shackles they sent him to grinding grain in the prison Samson, round four, Samson loses big. I mean, Samson loses everything. He's now captured and is now weak again. And he has, now he's blind and now he's in prison and his job now is just to grind grain. Oof. Samson, eventually his lifestyle catches up to him and his sins catch up to him. Now round three or scene three. Samson, he does have a glimmer of hope. Samson humbles himself before his end. Before it's all over, he does, at least a little bit, it seems, have a, a, a level of, of humility and submission. Here's what we see and what we learn about ourselves. You, I, we all need to humble ourselves before our end. You have an end, I have an end, we have different ends. But... We all will end. While you're still breathing, before you meet your end, God's calling on you to humble yourself before him. The, the real battle is now about to begin. It, the, the battle is not between Samson and the Philistines. That's the kind of the, the cover story. That's the, at face value, here's what it looks like. It looks like it's Samson versus the Philistines and he is, he'd been winning for decades, for 20 years, and now finally they had turned the tables and now they beat him. That's not the fight. The fight is between Yahweh, the God of Israel, and Dagon, the false god or the the. The, the, the deity, the God of the Philistines. And the reason we know this is because the end of this, it, it, they are very particular and on how they speak about Dagon, their God. Dagon was the Philistine deity who was in charge of, uh, of agriculture and grain and fertility. So this is the God they worship. This was their main God. Here's what it says. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Okay, first of all, you don't need to put that in there. We know how hair works. Whoever wrote that, like, why, would, why do you think we need that detail? Every single one of us, well, most of us, knows hair will grow back. 
Now, the reason it's in here is because it wants us to know the Philistines didn't continue shaving his head. They probably thought, hey, we've already taken care of him. Whatever, let his hair grow back. Who cares? He's blind and he's shackled. And like, what can he possibly do against us? All right. So his hair begins to grow back because they aren't shaving it anymore. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice. Here it is. To Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, not we have conquered Samson or Delilah. Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. They are now worshiping, praising Dagon, that Dagon has defeated Samson. Okay, the fight is not Samson versus Philistines. It's now Yahweh and Dagon. So it says this, when the people saw him, they saw Samson, they praised their God. And then it goes on to stuff that, like all the stuff, like the praises that they, say, that they share. The Philistines believed their God was supreme over the God of Israel, that Dagon conquered Yahweh's, the God of it, their mightiest warrior, we have defeated. Look at him. Look at him now. He's shackled and blind and just like any other, any other weak man. It says this in verse 25, when they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. This was now, he was now their personal entertainment, a testimony a living, breathing, active, like entertaining testimony to how Dagon has conquered Yahweh, how Dagon has helped them defeat their enemy. It says this, when they, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, who was probably like holding on to him so he can't leave or run away, put me where I can feel the pillars. This is so funny. Where I can feel the pillars that support the temple. Those are very specific pillars so that I may lean against them. Hey, please just take me the, the big pillars that support the soul. I just want to lean against them. And, and, and probably, maybe this servant's like, he's blind, he's shackled, he has no strength. That seems fair. I can grant this request to this, you know, weak, poor, blind man who just wants to lean against a pillar. All right. Now the temple was crowded with men and women and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. All of them were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. This was public humiliation. It was a, public, it was a common practice back then because anyone you, over, you, uh, anyone you conquered or, took or, or reigned over, now you brought in and was like, all right, now you can see them. What do you want them to do? Dance, all right, dance. You want them to kill each other, great. Gladiators are like, all right, well, have, whatever it may be. Like, this was, the, this was what you did, was, was you want to humiliate the other people of the enemy and you would have them just be your entertainment. All right, great. So that's what they did, Samson. Now, you're just entertainment, okay? Then Samson, here it is now. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Here it is, this glimmer of humility. This, the only time we see any amount of faith exercised by Samson is right here. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. That is a great way to start a prayer. That is a fantastic prayer. Somehow Samson got this right. Sovereign Lord. He literally says, God, you are in charge and you are in control. That is who you are. You are sovereign over all things. All right, you're in charge. Here's what I ask, that you remember me. That is now humility. Listen, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm just asking that you remember me, that you, you don't forget about me here in this place. He should have stopped his prayer because then he continues. Please, God, 
strengthen me just once more. Still, okay, that's not bad, right? For you, your prayers. A great way to start your prayer is, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Fantastic way. A very humble way to start your prayer. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Second prayer. Grant me strength just once more. Okay, that's a okay prayer. This next part, there should never be a part where you pray this. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Okay, Samson, boy, that turned quick. Even in that moment, it's all about revenge for you. They took my eyes, Lord. Sovereign Lord, please remember me. They took my eyes. Like, please, give me one more. Give me one more moment of strength to defeat them. And here's what happens. Even, even for a guy like Samson, God says, yes. And it isn't because Samson, like he wants to honor Samson. Because if you remember, the fight is not Samson and Philistines. The fight is Yahweh and Dagon. So God says, I will use you. But not because you asked me to avenge your eyes. It's because I want to show that I really am God, even over this God Dagon that they worship, that they think is so powerful. With just, with just you, Samson, I will defeat them. Then Samson reached toward the, center, the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, so he's got his, right, his hands right here. This is the, the movie scenes and all this, this is all we, what we think about. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. This is his last words, his parting words, like his final, like on his deathbed words. By the way, these would be terrible words for you on your deathbed. Let me die with the Philistines. Let me die with my family. Like, wow, okay, this guy, really? Let me die with the Philistines. They're probably all looking like, what is this guy talking about? And then he pushes and he pushes and they start to break and, 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 and these columns start to crack up it. And then all of a sudden the roof starts to crack and, and people are like, what is going on? There's cracks everywhere. And all of a sudden this, the whole thing falls down. Here's what it says. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he had lived. Remember, the battle is between Yahweh and Dagon. And, and the destruction of Dagon's temple was, was Yahweh God saying, listen, I really am in charge here. I am the one true God, not this silly pagan false God that you worship. And I will destroy Dagon and his temple with just one of my guys. Samson was vengeful to the end, but we see at least a little bit of a change in his demeanor. He's beaten, he's humiliated, and he cries out to God. And when he's at his lowest point, he prays. And I imagine many of us, maybe at your lowest point, have prayed. And there's something that seems different. That prayer kind of hits different. When you're at your lowest, when you've been uh, like humbled or maybe like him, humiliated, and you're just, Lord, I, don't, I, can't, I can't withstand this. Sovereign Lord, remember me. At your lowest point, something happens. It's like God says, all right, finally, finally, I can use that faith and that humility now because it's not all about you. Now, now I can, I can actually move in your life. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. And here we get some insight into God's heart, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, here it is, to come to repentance. The reason why humility is so amazing in, in faith, and, and like God seems to 
like cherish and, and reward and bless humility more than anything else, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, is because it takes humility to repent. And that's what God wants, is for us to say, I'm turning from my way where I know best, and instead I'm moving now toward you. And that happens with humility. So you can humble yourself or you can let God do it for you. Ready? The choice is yours. <laughs> it really is up to you on how you respond to God's call in your life. Would you do this? Would you stand with me as we pray and, and then worship the Lord together and, and close this morning? So Lord, we thank you for, um, for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in our lives. And, and God, you promised to never leave us or forsake us. And so help us to learn from the example of Samson, of what not to do, of just how, just how devastating pride can be. Help us to, to understand, and, and when, we, when we do experience success, to, to recognize and to put it in perspective, knowing that it really is all because of your goodness and grace. As much as we want to rely on ourselves, Lord, we can't. So may we be, may we all be a humble people who seek you and your kingdom first above all else. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you now pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.